I take as our meditation for the comfort of our hearts from Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. This particular verse did not occur at a time of someone's death, but at a time of trial and struggles of the people of God. But the message is a powerful message of encouragement. We read there, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and the comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. That we might have hope through patience for that long enduring under trial that we would be held up. Why? By the comfort of the Scriptures. The comfort of the Word of God. As the Lord whispers into our hearts messages of tenderness and love. We're gathered here on this day and we can look about... Uh, Look, Evan's family, upon all those behind you who've gathered on this occasion to, to be here to comfort you. Gathering at a time of death is a custom we just read about from God's Word. When Lazarus died, the people had gathered in, the neighbors, and we see that again and again in the Scriptures, those are gathering in to give comfort to those who are going through a time of grief. Sometimes that is very sincere, and sometimes we read in the Scriptures there were those who were paid to mourn. But we have gathered together, here's those who genuinely mourn with you, your loss. The Scriptures commend to us to mourn together. We note in Deuteronomy 34, at verse 30, verse 8, the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended for 30 days. Do we not note, as we read the Scriptures, Jesus came after Lazarus' body had been placed in the tomb. For four days he was dead. And yet the people are yet gathered at the home of Mary and Martha to comfort them, to encourage them, to weep with them. On this occasion, we also note one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Jesus beheld them weeping. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Death is the last enemy of God's people. Jesus came to destroy death. The unbelieving, they'll wail in despair. They know what grief like we know what grief is in our loss. But they have no place to turn. Some even turn to simply drunken orgies that to cover and hide and smother the things that they're experiencing inside. But we have hope. 
we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We gather with those who are grieving today according to the commandment of God. It's good that we weep together. The Scriptures commend us. It's appropriate. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 3, we're told, Sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance of the heart, the heart is made better. Grieving is a medicine that will enable us, by God's grace, to return to times of joy. And so, friends, as we look to the Scriptures that we're told will give us hope and comfort, we see... The Lord command us to gather together and to grieve with each other in a time of loss. Our Lord commanded us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. This is our time of weeping with you and and we're weeping for the loss of a little child and yet days not too distant we'll be rejoicing with one who holds a living child in their arm. And we will rejoice then because our confidence is in the Lord. He does great and wondrous things. We are, by the will of God, a community of caring people. We have a mutual responsibility to one another to bear the same love towards each other, to genuinely care for one another. The Lord records in His Word various places in which there's those encouragements. He tells us of a story of a woman who's lost a coin. And she finds her coin and she calls all her friends in to rejoice with her. He also speaks of a lost sheep who's lost and is found again. The Lord tells us that all of heaven rejoices on the occasion when one who is strayed into a life of sin has come again to the Lord. But today, our focus is not on rejoicing at the moment. It's on weeping together. Esther, Yvonne, Evans is a child that many of us, if not all of us, prayed for. We prayed for her conception. We prayed because of knowing that other siblings had been lost while yet in the womb. We prayed that the Lord would be pleased to bring her in full health to her mother's arms. But the Lord did not choose to do that. In His providence, He chose to take her to Himself. Our grief is great. We would ask ourselves, since He's told us that we are to be given hope by the comfort of the Scriptures, we remind ourselves that 
There's comfort for you as a family and for us as your, your family in the Lord to find comfort in a time of death. Because death is our last enemy and the Lord Jesus has come to defeat death. We read those precious words, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're reminded again by the Apostle Paul even prior to that, for since man, by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also all in Christ shall be made alive. But everyone, every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Death is overcome by Christ's power to raise us from the dead. Christ Jesus has gotten the victory. That's the confident faith we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are encouraged then to take the Word of God, the various pages of the Scriptures where the Lord speaks words of comfort to us, and to take those portions and to speak them to each other and to encourage one another, to build each other up. There's a comfort in knowing that others care for you. To just look around and see others gathered in their time of sorrow with you. To see at times a tear trickle down someone's cheek knowing that they care. And in some measure at least they feel your sorrow. There's comfort there. There's also perhaps a way of encouraging comfort by by busyness, uh, practically, that you can rather than continually grieving to take up things and be busy doing. But I would remind us all that the genuine comfort that we seek, that true comfort, comes from the Scriptures which the God of all comfort has preserved and given for our use. We're to comfort ourselves with God's Word. To find hope to overcome our sorrows and temptations to despair. We hear the Lord say over and over again throughout His Word, Comfort one another with these words. What words are we to choose to salve the sorrow that we share as we grieve the loss of a loved one? We were reminded of the words of the Lord Jesus. The words that he gave to, Ma to Mary and Martha, but particularly Martha as we've read. The words were which he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. These are encouraging words in the face of death. And yes, in that occasion, it was Jesus' intent to raise Lazarus from the dead. Martha confessed what we confess. Yes, Lord, we know that the dead will rise at the last day. Jesus demonstrating His power to raise the dead at the last day. Spoke in the hearing of those who would bear witness. John telling the tale that we might be led to believe likewise. Do you believe this? It's beautiful in the Scriptures. uh, The Lord Jesus speaking... He says, I am the resurrection of the life and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. We see also the testimony of Paul. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should death taste death for every man. We all know very well. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that the wages of sin is death. But we also know that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Lord Jesus assures us that this is the will of Him who sent Him, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. And listen carefully to these words of our Savior. And I will raise Him up at the last day. Our Savior acknowledges by this very statement that many of His people that He came to save will already be in the grave. Already be in the grave. They've already fallen prey to death, our great enemy. But that's not a problem. That's not a hindrance. For on that day, the Lord Jesus will raise them up from the dead. To convince us of this, we have the testimony we've read of Lazarus being raised from the dead. We have also the testimony uh, of uh, Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead as she lay on her deathbed. And the son of the widow of Nun, who's on his way to his graveside, as it were, is raised from the dead. And there's a fourth person that the Lord Jesus raised from the dead. Do you know who that fourth person is? It was Jesus Himself. In John 10, 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, Jesus says, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down 
and I have the power to take it again. This commandment I have of my Father. It's in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have great encouragement in the face of death. For the three others that the Lord Jesus raised from the dead, where are their bodies now? We presume in tombs. But there is one body raised from the dead. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ who is at the right hand of God the Father. Who's there until all His enemies are subdued. And and all the elect of God are drawn in. And on that day, then He shall come forth again to raise the quick and the dead. The Lord gives us encouragement after encouragement in His Word. And I, I challenge you, encourage you to look for others than what I would share with you now. We have in 1 Thessalonians 14 and First um, Thessalonians 4, uh, the words, Therefore comfort one another with these words. And, and in that context, what is the Lord's addressing? Our, our human weakness, our human frailty to think, Oh, I don't understand how the, the resurrection is going to take place. When Jesus comes back, what happens if some of us are in the grave and some are still not in the grave yet? They're still alive. What's going to happen, Lord? What's going to happen? Will some of us be left behind? Will some of them get to, get to come and, and be with you first of all? And the Lord dealing with that, that simple, perhaps even sinful human tendency to... To want to be first or not want to be left behind. The Lord speaks comforting words to tell us exactly how it will occur. The dead in Christ will be raised first. And then together those who remain will be gathered together body and spirit unto the Lord in the air. Words of comfort for us as the children of God. But I'd like to draw your attention particularly to a portion of this word of encouragement that Paul gives by the Spirit. Verse 16, he says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with them in the Lord, with the Lord. The Lord is coming. He's coming to carry us up to Himself. And, and I take you back then to verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. This is a glorious mystery. Our Lord will bring with Him those who are asleep in Him. Who are the asleep in Him? Those who trust in the Lord Jesus who already, their bodies are in the grave. 
They're already in the grave. But we know the encouragement of God's Word. What happens when we as believers die? When we die, 2 Corinthians 5, our spirits go immediately into the presence of God. Our spirits are raised up into heaven. We're we're in the hope of, of experiencing Hebrews 12 of being among spirits of just men made perfect at at the very assembly of the church of God in the presence of the Lord and God the Father. These words are comforting words because we're told that those who are in the grave are not in a death sleep. Their spirits are already with the Lord. Their bodies are in the grave. And when the Lord Jesus comes at the second coming, those who sleep in Jesus will come with Him. This is our comfort. May the Lord grant us to believe. And you notice, He says, those who believe in Jesus, those who trust that Jesus died and rose again will experience this. I urge you, if you're here as one who's never really trusted in the Lord Jesus, I pray that our celebration of the hope of Christians would be an encouragement to your heart to lay hold on the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. That this hope might be yours as well. But beloved, we've gathered here because we've lost a little one from our midst. What words of the Lord do we have for those who grieve the loss of an infant child. Those whose lives are hid in Christ can look death in the face with a peace and a calm. In a certain sense, you can even welcome it, knowing that the Lord has told us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For us, the departure of a loved one brings mixed emotions with their death. There's a genuine grief and sorrow in our souls for, for our loss. But there's also, because we trust in Jesus, a gladness at the same time. We miss them, but we are glad that they've gone to a better place. Perhaps we might liken this to a, to a household where there's a young bride. The wedding day comes. Everything is focused on that joy of the gathering for the wedding day. And, and there's much celebration that, that this young woman is being united to her husband. But there's the mixture there, is there not? 
For in her leaving her father's home and going to be in her husband's home, there's a sorrow for those who are left behind. While at the same time, a joy to see her go. There's a mixture. And can we not liken this unto what we experience today? There's a sorrow for those who have been left behind, but there's a joy that Esther Yvonne Evans has gone to be with the Lord. She can't come back to us, but we can go to her. Now, how can we be assured that Esther is with the Lord Jesus at this point? After all, many would say she's never confessed the Lord Jesus as her Savior. Are all children who die in infancy automatically admitted to heaven? It would seem not according to the Word of God. We're to take our hope from the Word of God. In Psalm 21, the Lord, speaking of our Savior King, the Lord Jesus Christ, says... At verse 8, Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out all those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit shall shalt thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. He speaks of the destroying of the children, the seed. The Christian's hope for the salvation of their infants taken in death is found in God's covenant that He makes with us. It's not our telling God what agreement we'll make with Him. It's God telling us what agreement He will make with us. And like unto what the Lord said to Father, our father in the faith, Abraham, we see in Genesis 17 and verse 7, God declaring, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and unto thy seed after thee. Hope. God's promise is the basis for our hope for our children and our children's children. But there's another portion that God records for us for our encouragement. Surely King David, a prophet of God, a man described in the Scriptures as a man after God's own heart, his experience is surely an encouragement for us. We know King David loved the Lord, and the Lord speaks of how he loved him with all his heart, and yet we know of the various sins, the horrendous sins of King David. Not only numbering the people, but committing adultery, and then murdering the woman's husband. And yet... When God's hand of chastening falls on King David for his wickedness of his adultery, 
and murder. God takes the life of David's infant son. He takes the life of David's infant son. And we have the story recorded to us in 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, of how David, knowing that his infant child was on on the verge of death, is, is fasting and pleading with the Lord and begging that the Lord would preserve his son's life. And we would would wonder that the Lord would show mercy to this illegitimate child. And yet we see in the Scriptures the testimony that the Holy Spirit has chosen to preserve for us to read. Here we read at verse 22, David's response. And he said to his servants, He's explaining why he's no longer grieving over the death of his child. He says, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore shall, should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Surely, beloved, we're to interpret this not merely as David saying, death, death takes us all. He's saying, my son, my dead son cannot come back to me, but I am assured that I will go to be with my son. What comfort is that if all he's talking about is a shared tomb? He's confident. And he goes forth, having said this, to worship God. We might go on then to think upon God's Word. Where is King David now? His body is in a tomb somewhere, but where is the spirit of King David? Is he not like all who have gone before us who are in Christ Jesus? Is he not now in the presence of the Lord? And we have every reason to believe that his infant son is in the presence of the Lord with him. His spirit there. His body in the grave. And so, we have grounds here on the basis of the Scriptures to to understand that Esther is present with the Lord by her spirit. In a little while, we'll place her body in the ground in the confident hope that when Jesus comes and speaks forth His voice, that she will be raised up like all of God's children. We're here seeking the Lord to bless and to comfort. And we can believe that God will do this. For the God of all comfort desires your comfort, each one of you in the family. 
He desires comfort for all those of us who are suffering in our hearts, weeping for the loss of a little one. Our gracious God knows and does all things well. There was no mistake when Esther was conceived in the womb and the Lord fashioned her according to His Word. But likewise, there was no mistake when the Lord called Esther's spirit forth to Himself, even while her body was still in the womb. Her whole brief life was spent in her mother's womb. I would remind you to remember with fondness her kicks, her hiccups, whatever sensations you experienced, that you would rejoice that God was pleased to give you this dear one for that short time. Esther's eyes never saw the light of day, but her spirit is in the place where now there is no darkness, but only the celestial brightness and splendor that emanates from our glorious God. We wonder that our Lord Jesus fulfilled His desire so quickly in calling her and and others like her to Himself. Jesus prayed a long time ago, did He not? Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am that they may behold my glory in which thou, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. And that same prayer of the Lord Jesus is so precious to each who understands it. The Lord Jesus declared in those words in His prayer that the Father loves you and me and all of His children with the same love that the Father bears to the Lord Jesus Christ. What a precious love. The God of all comfort cries out, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says the Lord. I encourage those of you who have gathered to to speak to each other words of comfort. To remember the blessing of God, the, the hope that is in you by the working of the Holy Spirit. That you are kept by the power of God. And yes, there's trials of faith in this life. And yes, you have not seen Jesus bodily with your own eyes, but believing but believing, though you do not see Him now, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, and believing the same for those who have gone before you. Let's trust in the Lord. May the Lord comfort you with these words, and may you continue to comfort each other. And... Most of all, may the Holy Spirit take whatever words 
these pleas to use that have come forth from my mouth to make them quickened in your heart and powerful to shape your faith and strengthen you for whatever you face in the days ahead. Shall we stand for prayer? Lord, we ask your blessing upon us. Lord, we ask that your spirit would work mightily in our midst to comfort each one gathered, to bless our conversations uh, upcoming, Lord, as we visit one with another, as we are those who are weeping with those who are weeping. We pray, Lord, that you would give us gracious words to speak to one another that we might be able, Lord, to, to be a comfort and a joy and a help as we await the day when each one of us will know the joy that Esther is privileged to know this day, being in the presence of our Lord forever. Please hear our cry. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll conclude.